Hey y'all, it's Danielle. And yes, you are finally listening to Ain't No Free Lunch again. Tykeen and I have been away for the past two weeks getting our lives in order. Sorry. But we finally managed to settle down and get back into it. Welcome to episode 13. We know we promised y'all school choice, but we felt like that conversation needed to wait. Don't worry, you'll hear us battle it out very soon. Anyhow, this week, we explain what we've been up to for the past two weeks. Colin Kaepernick stand, or rather sit down against police brutality, Brock Turner's unfortunate early release, and Nate Parker's sexual assault case's reemergence in light of the release of the much-anticipated Birth of a Nation film. There's so much going on, so there's so much to say. Hopefully you're still hanging in there with us. All right, let's see. So, uh, it's been a few weeks. It's been a couple of weeks, actually. It's been two. The first week was your fault. The second week was my fault. So, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. I remember at the end of episode 12, I said the unlucky 13. And it seems like we've had the most difficult time recording episode 13. No, but actually, like, life just got really real for both of us, but at different times. Yeah, so the first week, I'll tell y'all about it really, really quickly. One day, I had a bike accident, which a motorcycle ran me off the road. I'm fine. (laughs) Thanks for your concern. You know, quite a few people, like, sent me DMs and text messages, like, people that follow the Ain't No Free Lunch accounts, like, are you okay? We, We saw that you had a hard time with your bike. So then the very next day... I was involved in a fender bender. This lady backed into me in the parking lot. Right, right. Yeah, because you were supposed to be on the way to my house. Right. I had a meeting that morning. Then I was coming over and we were going to record. My mom was so worried. (laughs) She was like, is Tykeen okay? Where is Tykeen? Have you talked to Tykeen? Ma, he's grown. (laughs) Like, I asked him if he was okay. I called him. He said he's fine. (laughs) The next day, she was like, well, have you heard from him? Is he all right? I was like, Mom, if you don't take a chill pill, I'm not going to text him every five minutes to ask him if he's okay and be a nuisance. Mama Green, she was concerned. I I greatly appreciate it. She was far too concerned. (laughs) And so then last week, Danielle was just bouncing around all week she went to a festival instead of recording ain't no free lunch okay i didn't just go to a festival i went to the afropunk festival mind you okay so let me just say that i had a bike accident too two weeks ago but i was ready to record i had two quarter size pieces of my knee taken out but i was ready so don't come for me but as a birthday yeah, present, that's what happened when you go on a bike ride and don't invite coop we know who's the real cyclist yeah, we know, we know, blah, blah. You you can be the cyclist. I run. I ran six miles this morning. It was a good six miles, too. How many miles have you run this week? This week, 14. Oh. It was an off week. Why not 20? At any rate. Wow. <laughs> at any rate. But Afropunk was amazing. Oh, I, just, I didn't like, ask, loved, but okay. I'm telling you, because I want to talk about it. It was amazing. Like, all these, like, Black people everywhere, and they were just, like, free to be, like, as weird and as cool as they wanted to be. And it was hot, but then it was cool, and the weather was perfect. And then I saw people who were up there. And she did plug Ain't No Free Lunch one time. No, I was there for me, you know, self-care. It was beautiful. And she didn't like there was one anytime. There's one artist, Lauren, I can't say her last name. It's like Mvula. Like it's spelled M-V-U-L-A. Like she was playing the first night. She was singing the first night as the sun was going down. And for real, I just like got caught up in the moment. Like I had to pray. It was so beautiful, all these black people around me. And I went by myself. So I also like braved New York City's subways 
by myself. Oh. It was beautiful. It was magic. Don't be petty. <laughs> I brave New York City subways. I mean, you got like those New York streets are dangerous. Excuse me. I am. We live a, in America. I am a scaredy cat. It doesn't matter. Like Washington D.C. gives me anxiety. So if D.C. gives me anxiety, New York gives me all the anxiety. Girl, I you live in so Richmond, Virginia, the former murder I, capital of the world. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Stop um, it. But I live in the suburbs, or I'm from the suburbs. I live in the city now, but I'm from the suburbs. Like oh, privilege. I don't know. Oh, I felt, how nice. Privilege. I felt. Like very cool D- getting D- on the subway by myself and D- like reading that. Danielle has privilege. <sighs> okay. She doesn't want to acknowledge. Oh, I totally acknowledge that I have privilege. You just never asked me about it. I am from the suburbs. My family, we used to say that. They're the real life Huxtables. Well, <laughs> my, Mr. Green, my, I, I'm not wishing that on you, but you're the real <laughs> Huxtables otherwise. Yeah, like, that's. That that to d- in today's uh, in 2016 that's kind of a problematic analogy, but yeah no my family we used to say that we had a gang, <laughs> and you know we used to call it SOG S O G for the suburban original gangsters. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, n- no one else will find that funny. I find it hilarious, but I mean. Gang, gang. <laughs> wow, that, that's a little bit corny there. <laughs> and she has the audacity to talk about the struggle. You know what? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I keep it real. So, last week. I changed the subject. Last week, yes. Mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Made the internet and the world about lose their mind when he decided. Which- to sit down during the national anthem of an NFL preseason game. So I, as usual, have so many different opinions, not different opinions. They, they kind of all run along the same lines. But when I found out that first and foremost, I didn't really know what to make of Colin Kaepernick because, you know, sometimes with people, you can't just automatically assume that everybody's down for the cause. You know what I mean? Like black people are super diverse. We have like, super different ideals. He was adopted into a all-white family. Am I wrong or am I right? Yes, he was raised by a, a Caucasian family. Right. White people. And he's he's mixed. He's like of mixed heritage himself. I know that he was a member of a Black Greek letter organization, but that also doesn't mean anything. Kappa Alpha Psi. Right. I didn't really know much about him. Also, to be fair, like I don't watch football well enough to know teams that are on the opposite side of the United States. Like San Francisco is super far away. So I started following him on Instagram, though, because he was cute. I'm not going to front. But he posts. I know. I follow a lot of people on Instagram because they're attractive. But he posts like mad black stuff up there. Have you ever been on his Instagram page? No, I have I have not ever been on Colin Kaepernick's Instagram, but I know that he's been an advocate and he's been conscious for quite some time. So Yeah, like that's when I kind of started formulating my opinion about like who he was as an individual because obviously everything you post on social media is indicative of who you are as a person. I hope everybody caught my sarcasm. But he like has all these videos of like Malcolm X. So I knew on some level he was he was woke. He was down, right? And then when I saw that he had sat during the national anthem, I really didn't think it was gonna be as big of a deal as it is. I don't know. I guess I underestimated like white people, question mark. I mean, I don't think it's just Caucasian people that are offended. It's not just white people who are offended, but are they not the vast majority? I can't yeah. say that. I can. Carry on. Okay. Anyway, so, well, I don't know why people are so pressed. Like, he, don't we operate on free speech? Doesn't Donald Trump walk up and down the stage every other day saying that America is a whole pile of horse crap? Facts. He's always talking about, you know, his interaction with Kazir Khan's family and their military and how he just like his complete disregard for prisoners of war in relation to John McCain. He has supporters who are booing the families of military at 
open forums and, Facts. and nobody says anything to him. Well, not only that, I saw I saw a meme the other day about Colin Kaepernick sitting down and Donald Trump not putting his hand over his heart like during the Pledge of Allegiance before one of the debates. Which is like it's like the double standard. But, you know, that's one of the tenets of American democracy, you know, freedom of speech. And so and so many people, I think, misinterpret what democracy means. They say, oh, people don't fight and lose their life for you to sit down. But actually, like he has the right to do so. You may not always agree with what other people do, but that's freedom of speech in a nutshell. Like you can say and do whatever you like. Not to mention he wasn't disrespectful. Like he didn't grandstand. He didn't turn he, his back he on didn't, the flag. He didn't put there up his so middle finger. You know, yeah. he, he sat down peacefully. He didn't draw any attention to himself. It, he was asked about it. And that's when, you know, the media blitzkrieg kind of began. Which is, it's crazy to me because I feel like a lot of people who are opposing to people who believe in the ideals of Black Lives Matter, I'm not going to say that that are a part of Black Lives Matter because you can believe in the ideals without being a part of the organization. Right. And they're always saying, like, you need to do things peacefully. You need to do things, like, quit with the violence, blah, blah, blah. And we can have a debate about where that violence comes from and whether that is initiated by people by Black Lives Matter or not. That's kind of, you know, out of out of the way of this conversation. But he did something that was extremely peaceful. He sat down. Somebody asked him about it. Facts. And then you have this fire. Sure. Storm. Like, what are you doing? I don't understand. Like, I, I was reading on Facebook the other day, this guy that I went to high school with who is black. And he was saying something along the lines of like, just do your job. Like you're paid $12 million or whatever, X, Y, Z. I think it's you just 19, need to stand up yeah. for the flag. Well, I don't remember. Yeah. But you just need to stand up for the flag and do what they ask you to do. And I'm like, no, he's not a workhorse. Just because that's what he's paid, there's nothing under his contract that says that he needs to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. Let the man live his life the way that he would like to live his life. If he wants to be conscious and he wants to say that this is something that is really, really impacting me and I want to make a stand, let him do it. And not only that, you got all these people who are praising Muhammad Ali a couple months ago Facts. for being so Two outspoken and for standing for up for his freedom of speech. Exactly. And then Colin Kaepernick sits down quietly and we've got all these issues. I didn't, I didn't even know. I was so genuinely appalled. People were burning his jersey. Sure. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but subsequently, you know, it's almost kind of gaining more momentum now because a few nights ago, like one of his teammates took a knee with him during the national anthem. Which I was very a- happy Another to. player in the league took a knee. And also Bro, he's kind of pushed right? this. So one second, let's talk about friends from high school. I've had so many people bashing Colin Kaepernick. And so I've engaged in some of the conversations. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he's an idiot. He's not doing anything. He's just making us race related, which is far from the truth. And then I try to educate them. And then they say, oh, I never thought of it that way. You know, it's always whenever something comes close to the realm of social justice. A lot of my friends from high school, they just like, oh, he's just playing the race car or she's just playing the race car. Like whenever there's a police shooting, it's always the race card. But with Colin Kaepernick, something else I was pleased about yesterday, he announced that the first million dollars of his earnings he's donating to charities to kind of, which is incredibly respectable to combat some of the issues that are plaguing oppressed communities around the country. Right. And then I also found it very, very interesting. There was this whole conversation, this whole conspiracy theory that he was doing this to ensure that he wouldn't be cut. What? There's a conspiracy theory around that? Sure. Like, I feel like if he's trash, he'll get cut regardless, right? Well... Isn't that how things work? So Colin Kaepernick was on the cusp of being a star quarterback two or three years ago. His head coach got fired and he's been he hasn't improved since then. His development has really been stagnant. But so Colin Kaepernick has like a hundred million dollar contract. Financially, it's probably likely that he won't be on the team after this season. But I don't think the San Francisco after this season is what you said? After this season. But I don't think the San Francisco 49ers can afford to release Colin Kaepernick because of this reason. Because of his stance? No. But I don't think they can 
release him because of the head coach, Chip Kelly. So hmm. for those of you Tell me more. that Tell don't me more. know, Chip Kelly was the former head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And prior to that, he was the head football coach of the University of Oregon. But when Chip Kelly was the coach of the Eagles, there was a trend that African-American men that were outspoken found themselves out of Philadelphia. Like Deshaun Jackson, who's now a star receiver for the football team in Washington, not Seattle in the nation's capital. But they cut him and supposedly he had gang ties. You know, they, they got rid of a couple players on defense because they were outspoken. They got rid of their superstar running back because I mean, question. but 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 question Chip Kelly did keep Riley Cooper, who made his comments at that country music concert a few years ago by he'll jump over the fence matter of fact we're gonna let you all listen to it here i, I will jump that fence and fight every nigger here bro ah, all right what's your question so my question is i mean at any point where are the eagles completely white like, I'm confused. Like, football is, is largely dominated by the African-American population. Well. So, like, if he's releasing all of these players and they just so happen to be black, isn't that, like, the whole team anyway? It's like releasing play. Like, how are you going to release non-black players that ain't there? I, I'm, just, I'm just asking. But, Although, but like, no you should have let that. But no one ever releases their star players. Like, he got rid of all the stars on that Eagles team. Got it. Okay. So you know, he got rid of LaShawn McCoy, Mike Vick, Deshaun Jackson. You know, he got rid of all of their star players. And then but he, last he kept year, homeboy. Yeah, he kept Riley Cooper, yes. That wanted to talk about jumping over a fence. And see, that's tacky. So I, I, mean, I don't I, from a from a uh, from a PR standpoint, I don't think that he could afford to cut Colin Kaepernick. Interesting. I don't know. I still think he can. Well, we, there's so many people who are so mad at Kaepernick right now, so mad at Kaepernick that he'd probably like be made a statue or something for releasing him. People hate him right now. Like, did you hear all those comments by the executives in the front office, which I was disgusted by? Yeah, we we'll find out today. I think by four o'clock but i don't think that he'll be released but no i'm not saying he will i'm just saying like i don't think it would hurt him to do it because there are so many people who are so vehemently upset by this man silently sitting down during the national anthem i mean so many people were angered by that and i personally don't understand it once i saw he got all that flack i literally tweeted i think i no, i definitely tweeted i need a kaepernick jersey like asap somebody send me one and i don't even care i don't really even care about the san francisco 49ers but it's out of control and i'm so happy to see that there are other people who are sitting down or i mean well kneeling because he did explain the difference between him sitting and kneeling he said that he felt like it was more respectful i do appreciate that other people are backing him up on it but i really feel like he's almost in a corner by himself that's just the way it seems and I, I you know I love the hashtag if you guys haven't seen it like veterans for Kaepernick there's so many different veterans who are saying like we understand where you're coming from we support your decision to take a knee or to sit and then he has been rocking have you noticed his his hair has gotten like he got that afro thing going on lately which yeah. he hasn't had in past years it's extra curly yeah. we've been picking it out yeah, he's so they have the hashtag uh cap so black which i enjoyed looking through yeah, it's natural. you know so one of our avid listeners, Patricia, she uh, I saw her going in on Facebook the other day about this because Patricia is a veteran and she was saying, hey, this is the reason why I laced up my boots. And so I really appreciated that. Also, I just want to shout out Patricia for a second. I texted her one day, kind of trolling after Donald Trump. Not trolling people. After Donald Trump was out there hollering that black folks, what the hell do you have to lose by voting for me? And so Patricia told me that she's too now with her. So Um, probably as begrudgingly as I am, but it's cool. Welcome, Patty. Welcome to my side of things. We're slowly, see, we're changing lives out here. People are with her because of us. Nah, we're with her because of Donald Trump. (laughs) You hear that? The Clinton campaign? You should hire us. We should be national surrogates. We'll get the millennials millennials on it. Unfortunately, 
as we kind of, we, I think we definitely predicted uh, way back when we were beginning our podcast with episode three, Brock Turner was recently released from prison. I think maybe, was it yesterday? Yes, he, he, he went home just in time to have his Labor Day cookout. Great. So, uh, unfortunately, he was released. We knew that this was coming. They had said way back when he was sentenced to the initial, I believe it was six months, that he could get out early for good behavior. And I mean, you're sitting in county jail You every day. I think every day that he served counted as two days for every day that he had good behavior. So it's nothing that's surprising. Oh, but oh, let's not minimize him sitting at county jail. Most people would rather be at county or city jail than at, in prison. You know, jails are no joke. So let, let's not okay. minimize being in jail. I'm not, but I'm saying like it was. I don't think it was hard for him to remain with good behavior. I, he was he was probably in segregation the entire. Yeah, time. I'm not. I'm not minimizing jail at all. What I'm saying is it wasn't hard for him to maintain good behavior, especially you know, if he was segregated. I'm not sure if if he is, but I'm yeah, I'm sure he was. But at the end of the day, I think we alluded to this on the Brock Turner episode. It's definitely a tragedy that this was the outcome of this case. But at the same time, we can't spend too much time focusing on this case because at this current moment, someone else is probably a victim of sexual assault. Their attacker may have a similar sentence or may not receive any sentence at all. So you know. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at data related to it, most people who go to prison, well, excuse me, most people who most people who rape don't end up in prison. Well, I mean, the vast majority of them don't like at astounding rates. Yeah. Well, you know, not to make excuses, but also the majority of sex offenders have been victims as well okay they've been offended again so i mean i understand that but i'm just saying even still that doesn't mean they don't go to like they don't go to jail like people should just stop raping people that's we need to be educating people at a younger age about what is okay and what is not okay like i don't i think like elementary school is not too early to start talking about things like how do people like to be hugged no, but but, but sex is still so taboo in american culture i know right? it is but you can still have like you can have those conversations about like you know do you like hugs to like a four-year-old and they could say yes and it's you have to let them know that maybe the next four-year-old they meet doesn't like hugs they need to ask like there, there's so many things that you, we can start working on with children, boys and girls alike that can create preventative measures so that there no, there's no confusion about what is consent and what is not consent. Cause to me, it is unacceptable that 97 out of a hundred rapists receive no punishment whatsoever. Statistically speaking, 97 out of a hundred. I, I'll agree. But at the same time, let's go back to 21-year-old Danny. Matter of fact, we can talk about Danny in 2016. Like, okay. how would you how would you feel if a man, like, you go on a date and he says, oh, can I have a hug? Like, I don't think the majority of women like that. The more the majority I mean, of women okay. that, that, that I've dated in my past, like, they did he really just ask me to kiss me? Like, you ruined the mood. No, I, I, I've definitely been asked if it's okay to, if that like a person could kiss me and I appreciated that. Now, if that's something that I don't prefer, you, they can say something like, you know, you don't need to ask, but giving that space, but we know how creating that norm, because that's the norm for now in 2016. But if you create that norm, starting when kids are younger, that it's, it's not uncool to ask somebody then you're creating and developing a culture where there are no blurred lines around consent. And I think that's incredibly important. I actually, I mean, I also just really like corny people. Like I like corny guys. So that's probably why. Yeah, I do. And I really appreciate that. I like someone who explicitly asks. I mean, so, so so not every single time, but I'm saying like, especially when we're just getting to know each other, I appreciate that. So let me ask you this. Well, let me ask our listeners this. How have you ever been like, what would you do if someone said, hey, you know, you go on a date. Let's just say as a first date and 
they say, oh, can I have a hug or can I have a kiss? You know, like you can either say yes or no. I want the listeners to to give us their feedback on this. Oh, OK, I guess. I mean, other people have ideas around like what they prefer, but you're never wrong when you ask. And I feel like if there's a person like if someone says that they would rather you not, then that's on them. But I feel like there's no confusion just so you're protecting yourself so you're protecting other people you because like okay Danielle, do you date nice guys like like let's just let's just keep it a bean do you date nice guys yeah are you dating one now no i'm single I'm very okay single. that's probably why because he was too freaking nice oh my gosh yeah but he wasn't a rapist either <laughs> like, i mean we've been I in mean, training just... all week we've been in training all week at school and we've been talking about title nine and title nine explains that it has nothing to do with intent it is all about how the person on the receiving end perceives it and if you want to make sure that you're not caught in the crosshairs if we want to make sure that our sons and our daughters coming up are not caught in the crosshairs you need to teach them to ask right and if someone thinks i'm fine with that but so they're not like it, i think that's unhealthy yeah having consent is definitely important but at the same time like i remember for the point of disclosure here i'm just gonna keep it real once upon a time about three four years ago every single time i logged on social media i saw something from rob hill senior like i remember <laughs> that time period like everything everything on facebook everything on instagram like <laughs> twitter it was just like yo can someone take these quotes and take them elsewhere <laughs> no every single thing was from rob hill senior and I remember one of my good friends, Bianca Casper. Oh, you threw out first and last. Okay. She had made a comment. I was like, y'all just like that in theory. Like, y'all don't really want that. Like, y'all I retweet- love nice guys. Like, y'all can retweet it all day, but that's not what you really want. How are you going to tell us what we want? Because I, I know you. I know her. I like nice guys. I like nice, corny guys. They just got to be cute and tall. So <laughs> That's the, that's how we like balance it out. And this isn't a generalization. Pl- trolls, please don't hop in my mentions. But our, it, yeah, we'll wait. Rob Hill Senior got married a few months back. Right to Latoya Luckett. Yeah, and now they are already getting a divorce. Like really? You, yeah. I had no idea. I have to Google this. Like, are you joking? No, not at all. No funny haha. For what? What what happened? I just think they aren't compatible. So yeah, you know, in theory, she was like, Oh, I I love this guy that's typing Rob Hill Sr. every single day, you know, like, oh my goodness, he's getting thousands of retweets and women love him and he says all the right things, but in practice, that isn't what you really want. I like nice guys. And also I'm a little rough around the edges, so Yeah, you you a whole lot rough around the edges. (laughs) You know, you don't want someone that's just going to bow down and be like, oh, I'm going to treat you like a queen and whatever you say is going to go. You don't want that. You also, you're going to want someone that's going to check you a little bit and say, hey, Danielle, you're a little bit out of pocket. That doesn't mean you're not nice, though. You can be nice and still but, check me. But Rob Hill Sr., the the writer? He's probably not what he portrays on... Exactly. But he's still divorced. So, so if he... That, exactly. <laughs> she obviously didn't want that either. Okay, I prefer it was fake. nice, oh. corny, tall men. Because I think I'm I'm real corny, so you got to be able to rock with my jokes. <laughs> yeah, like Saul. Because <laughs> I think I'm funny, and if you don't think I'm funny, we're not going to work out. So just to let y'all know, Danielle is six feet tall, so she needs someone that's taller than six feet. Thank you for this match.com <laughs> analysis. This and not- she wants you a little bit corny, and she wants you to ask, like, hey, can I take you out to dinner? Hey, can I? Yeah, that's or- cute. No. You know what? I can't tell you the last time I, I asked someone to take them out to dinner. Like when the, you 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 are in a relationship. But when the foot model and I first started dating, I was just like, hey, you and I are going to dinner. And she was like, I'm not really used to this. Like, you aren't going to ask me where we where would I like to go? I said, no, I'm me and your girlfriend are two different people because I'm going to I'm be like, so then we're not going. Would you like somebody? Can, we, come out? Can so, we do 50 50? So you want someone to say, "Oh, what would you like to eat? What would you like to do? What are we going to do?" No, if, if no, I'm no, planning, no. I don't I didn't say that. But you're not just going to roll up on me and be like, "I'm taking you out." Excuse me. 
Did you ask me if I wanted to go anywhere with you? Maybe I think you're crusty. Maybe I think you're dusty. No. So one minute she wants nice guys. And then the next minute she wants someone that has to be like in a fitness calendar or something. No, I I didn't say that. All I said was maybe I don't find us compatible. I can't have someone just roll up on me and be like, oh, this is what we're doing. Mm, Nah, no. So listeners, please hop in her DMs. No, that is not the purpose of this conversation. The actual purpose of this conversation is to segue into Nate Parker and his blurred lines of consent that it seems has resurfaced from his days at Penn State. So uh, Nate Parker, who is, I think he's like starring in, he helped write, he like produced or directed the new movie that's coming out. I believe it's in October, Birth of a Nation. I haven't really been very familiar with Nate Parker's background in general. So when I saw the trailer for it, I got really, really excited. I mean, I remember seeing him in in The Secret Life of Bees and thinking that him and Alicia Keys were so precious together. I really wanted them to be married in real life. But I also remember he was in that movie by the the woman who wrote Love and Basketball. You know what I'm talking about? He's been in a lot of movies, eh? Beyond the Lights. There you go. I've never seen it. Oh, I... I went to go see it in the theater, and I think I'm just not a huge romance movie person. I think the only romance movie that I actually watch that I really enjoy all the time is Love Jones, <laughs> which is probably. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Notebook. No, I've never even seen The Notebook. Really? So, confession, I watched The Notebook. But, well, I've never seen it, but he's also been in, like, The Great Debaters. He's been in a whole lot of that Pride movies, so he's actually been in quite a few movies that have like a black historical theme. So Great Debaters, like I said, uh, The Secret Life of Bees, Pride, Red Tails. He was in that too. He's actually from Norfolk, Virginia. Crip. So, uh, he, he is a Virginian, but he's kind of like an actor that I want to say for a long time, only he was like one of those celebrities that only black people knew. Yeah, I, I can agree there. So... He went to Penn State, yeah, Penn State for college. He was supposedly like a very big athlete, like a star wrestler on their wrestling team. And in 1999, when he was a sophomore, he and his roommate slash teammate, and I cannot see this man's name, it's like... Jean Celestine, I guess. Yes. Where they were accused of raping a fellow Penn State student. Now, it is important to note that Nate Parker was acquitted of all rape charges. His roommate, however, was convicted. Yes. He was convicted. They sentenced him, but then another judge overturned that sentence. So I don't, I'm not sure as to whether or not he actually served any time. From my understanding, I think he appealed the conviction. Mm-hmm. And when after he appealed the conviction, I don't think the accuser wanted to take the stand again. No, she declined to testify. And so after. because of that, he was found not guilty, which also, is which is that, within his constitutional right. Right. Now, also with this this person, I'll say Celestine. I'm probably saying it wrong. I really try to pronounce people's names right, but I sometimes fall short he co-wrote birth of a nation yes he did Nate parker yes so which is a story that needs to be told for for those of you that don't know birth of the nation is a story about nat turner also a virginian and the nat turner uh the turner's rebellion in southampton county and what i was really excited about about this movie was that it shows black people in such an active role in slavery it doesn't show us from what I could see from the from the trailers and just like Nat Turner in general. We're we're active. We're not waiting around for you know white people to free us. You know I also love slave stuff. <laughs> Y'all have known that since like episode one, so I was really excited about it. But the issue with this is that now that all of this is he's gotten all of this like I guess fame because when it premiered at, I believe it premiered at Sundance. Yes. It, it, it was one of the uh, movie festivals like summer. Right. Movies. It was like the Sundance Film Festival. It debuted and then it got sold to the Fox Searchlight Pictures for $17.6 million, which is like a big deal. 
yeah, it like broke the 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 record for that was most paid for for a Sundance production. And it's coming and, to a theater near you on October seventh. Yes, I said it was somewhere in October. Now, since this these charges have kind of reemerged or just been readdressed, people have been really conflicted. So if you don't know the story that goes about go behind it, you have a, an unnamed accuser, Jane Doe. She, her identity was, I believe, to my knowledge, never revealed. And she claimed that she accused Parker and Celestine of raping her while she was unconscious. Intoxicated. And yeah, from intoxication. And she didn't even know how many people had been involved. Then not only that, she also claimed that they had harassed her after the charges. Right. Uh, well, after she initiated the charges, they harassed her around campus. They're, they've released like, there's like 700 pages of the trial transcripts. I have not managed to make it through all 700 pages, but I have read a good amount. I won't say it's half, but uh, enough. And so during that, I believe it said that she attempted suicide twice. It was During, multiple times. It was definitely yeah. more than once. It was more than once. She attempted suicide. She was she was not successful. However, in 2012, it was uh, in 2012 she did commit suicide. Yes. So while there has been a large number of time that it's passed from 2012 to 19 from 1999 to 2012, there is no indication that it wasn't related or it was related. But she did attempt suicide twice while she was in she was in college, and she dropped out I think several times and tried to re enroll. It's an interesting case because I have a lot of feelings surrounding well, let's hear sexual you know sexual assault. I am in a place where I was so excited to see this movie, so excited to see this movie. I heard about the rape charges and I was disheartened by them, especially because it seemed like from some of the trial information that Parker was largely acquitted because he had had previous sexual encounters, consensual sexual encounters with the victim prior to what was asserted as like the incident as the assault. What most disheartened me and made me decide that I don't think that I'm going to be paying for the birth of a nation was his response when it was asked of him. Initially. So, yeah. So he had, I want to say two. two yeah. yeah he, had, he had a few interviews that he just kind of bombed. Yeah. He had an interview in variety and he had an interview in deadline. And then afterwards he posted like a Facebook post regarding it because there was an outcry I was just completely disgusted by his response. Everything that he said was in relation to himself. Like that was a very painful time period for me. No acknowledgement of the victim. He didn't even know that the victim had committed suicide, which to be fair. Thank you. I don't necessarily, I don't. I, I don't know if you can fault him for. Yeah, I can't of... fault him separating her out of his life like because i was listening to someone talk and they were talking about like that's how disengaged he was but i was like i don't know if someone accused you of rape would you or you had raped someone are you unless you're stalking them are you gonna like friend them on facebook yeah i mean i <laughs> can't even to, like keep up with their actions yeah because if anything that would kind of gonna... that may show that hey maybe he was guilty like if he had friended her on facebook so i'm like what what is there for them to talk about that's like right. how many people even keep up with their exes, honestly? Right, exactly. So I don't know. With that, I I can't really fault him for not knowing. I can fault him for his response because I felt like they were very self-centered. They were, I mean, I know he felt like he was being attacked and he kept saying, you know, I've been acquitted, but there was no acknowledgement that at some point whatever happened might have impacted someone other than himself in a negative manner to me. And he was like, Oh, I have sisters. I have mothers. I have a mother. I have daughters. Okay. So you're saying people with a mom can't rape, be a rapist. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, we all have a mother and I'm glad exactly. you did That's say that. I, I, I'm glad that you were pretty objective. You know, I'm sure if someone came to you right now and said, you, you had, your students had great SOL 
uh, test scores last year because you cheated. I'm sure that you probably a little bit defensive initially, but yeah, that's not an excuse for the way he handled it. Yeah, he definitely handled it from like a all the you know me 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 me, and there was no empathy at all for. I I don't think there was a any indication from him that said, "Hey, I can empathize with her," or you know, this probably did affect her in some way, but. His perspective is we didn't do anything wrong. You know, yeah, we were we were dogs. Even even his newest statement, which I think is much better. This is interview. And, yeah, that's and, what the and, one he did with Ebony. Yeah. You know, he said, hey, you know, we were we were dogs. I, I have some things I need to understand a little bit better. He kind of almost blamed it on the culture of college a little bit. In his mind, he still didn't do anything wrong, so he doesn't see why he needs to apologize. And and that's basically right. the the place that he's in. It's like, hey, I, I didn't do anything, so why do I need to apologize for it? Like, why should I care? Well, she lied on me. That that's, that's not really like. But to me, that's not how I read it. He said, seventeen years ago, I experienced a very painful moment in my life. It resulted in it being litigated. I was cleared of it. That's that. 17 years later, I'm a filmmaker. I have a family. I have five beautiful daughters. I have a lovely wife. I get it. The reality is he takes a long silence. I can't relive 17 years ago. All I can do is be the best man I can be now. He said I was cleared of it. You know what I'm saying? And so like his wording made it seem like he's not saying like, he didn't say like, oh, I didn't do it. And like, even in his newest interview with Ebony, he he talks about how he didn't understand necessarily consent at age 19. Like he 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 talks about saying like, you know, that's something that I wouldn't want to repeat. But he's not talking about the it doesn't seem like he's talking about the process of the trial. It sounds like he's talking about the actual incident and that he knows that he has done something wrong because just because you have been found not guilty by a court of law does not mean that you are innocent. Not guilty and innocent are two different things. Right. So and so I mean, that was my I didn't like that. You know, I think he acknowledged that there was he definitely acknowledged he had intercourse with this lady. He acknowledged that his roommate slash teammate also participated. You know, I think we should also mention that there was a third gentleman that said, hey, this isn't right. And he left. That's if anything, that's telling of what possibly could have happened that night. But at the same time, you know, Parker's argument from from my interpretation is that she was OK with this happening. That's the way I interpret it, that that he thinks that she was OK with it at the time, even though he didn't explicitly ask. But she was OK with it. Right. She, she also said they said in the interview that she never explicitly said yes. Right. And and he didn't say this, but I think some I think I like read an article about it. He also said that she didn't explicitly say no either. Right. But the absence of no is not a yes. Absolutely. Which is why we need to be talking to our children, like I said, way early about that concept. Because he keeps talking about the way that I, when I was 19, I understand now. But if we have this type of culture embedded in our kids early, there is no, I didn't understand at 19, I understand now. It's something you're being raised to understand. And he does talk about toxic masculinity and how that prevents it. Right. Yeah. That's one thing I did want to bring up too. Like one thing with, with Parker, yes, her, her, the accuser's family, well, the victim's family. Right. She has been saying, uh, you know, her brother's kind of been like the family spokesman. Mm-hmm. And the brother was said that uh, he's kind of indicting Penn State University as having an institutional method of covering up sexual assault. That's something that's another layer that makes this even more troubling. Yeah, that because, happened at Penn State given yeah, Sandusky. With Sandusky and how the institution kind of, not even kind of, how they hid it how they protected him. And so it was almost like there's this culture of the things that we do for our athletes. And so who said that, you know, if they did this for Sandusky, who said that they won't, that they weren't doing this for an athlete, a star athlete. Right. I also felt like one thing that I did appreciate 
that I went back and I read the Ebony interview. He said that in light of everything that's happening, he's been reading the open letters from like Roxanne Gay and then like, you know, a number of other people who were say, who were writing and saying that they cannot support his movie, The yeah. Birth of a Nation. But, but let's, let's just be real here for a second. Like, if he's held on to this for 17 years, do you really think in the past three weeks, like all, all of this has just changed for him or is he just saying the right things? Well, and I mean, that's that's something that can be questioned. I'm not saying that he's changed 100% because even the interview tells, he says, I'm learning. Right. Like, and, and so I, I appreciated that. But, that's what I was saying. But, like, but that's like, why let's not just give him a pass because now he's saying the right things. I didn't like, say that I was giving I, him I'm, that. I'm not saying you, but I'm saying some people. Like, I feel like some people, like, oh, after the Ebony interview, like, now everything's okay. Like, if well, we're going to, if we're going mean, to hold his feet to the fire and we want to hold him accountable, like, let's really do that. Let's not just give him a pass now. So, are you going to see Birth of a Nation? I probably will. See, that's I don't I don't understand. But but that doesn't mean that I won't continue to hold his feet to the fire. Like how are you gonna do that though? You're just gonna tweet at him? (laughs) Like I don't like there there are a lot of things that we can do. I mean, even even down to you know, I had a conversation this week with someone about him coming to coming to Farmville and having some of these conversations about sexual assault. You know, there are things that I think he can do that regard so like I, I think i think birth, I, I think birth of a nation I, I think we have to separate the two like oh i can't and i'm i that's my problem i do not i can't i don't separate the work from the artist that's why i don't listen to james brown anymore because whoa found out he used to beat the crap out of his wife and that was just common knowledge i used to love miles davis oh he's a self-proclaimed wife beater nope like, I can't separate the art from the artist. I am not going to line your pocket, but then still say off to the but side it, that, oh, you're a terrible person. His pocket an, I'm not doing anything that's going to impact him. I'll impact his wallet. I won't pay for that movie. Yeah, but I mean, do you think he's really going to miss your $10? I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying. $10, what are you going to do to make him behold him accountable? Like, like so that's what I'm like, saying. Like, these speeches for free. Like, these are the types of things that he can do. But what motivation does he have if he's paid? Oh, None. If people still and because Fox is already supporting him, they said that we acknowledge it that he was acquitted. Period. So are you? I'm waiting. Like he so can't be retried. In in light of your your most recent writing that was featured in Huffington Post, what about forgiveness and rehabilitation? Like I'm here for that, and that's what I'm saying. When in the Ebony article, I appreciate. That he is Showing saying some- that if I want to be like a light for black people, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm waiting for him to do X, Y, and Z. If he can manage to start doing X, Y, and Z through a certain time frame, maybe I'll go pick up the DVD. But like, as it stands right now, I'm glad that he's reading other people's letters. I'm glad that he is acknowledging what he has to say, what he said. Cause honestly, he didn't, he didn't have to say anything. There are plenty of people who are going to go see that movie regardless, who do not care. But there are plenty of people who also say they separate the art from the artist who will condemn him, but still go see the movie. It, this movie was going to be successful. So I feel like he didn't have to say anything. We have a history of supporting people who do problematic things, who say problematic things, and then just let that fly. Essentially, what I hear you saying that if you're accused of something, you want to hold people accountable regardless if they did it or not. No, 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 no. Because, I mean, I mean, we can be accused of anything. I'm saying that. Based on what I have read and based on his reaction, it is my personal belief. And then the maintained relationship that he has with that person who was accused, uh, well, who was, what's it called? Um, convicted, co- whether, co- it was, whether it was overturned, because they were supposed to be having, they were supposed to be raping that girl at the same time, mind you. So the fact that one got convicted and the other one didn't, to me... But, but that's my, not the way I interpreted it. I interpreted it was that, that, she, 
that she was having consensual sex with Parker and Parker invited in the, if his that, teammate. If, that, if but, he invited him, he's a co-conspirator. He is part of the problem. That then becomes rape. If I agree to sex with you and not someone else and you invite someone in and that's not what I agree to, that's rape. You are raping me along with someone else, period. But that's not how the court saw it. So, so no, the court side is he had consensual sex with her before, so therefore, obviously, she always consented to sex after that point. No. So, so your problem is with him not being convicted. So, so that's that's my thing. Like, at one second, I feel like people saying, "Oh, people should have a fair chance. They should have a fair trial with an impartial jury." <laughs> and then a second later, it's like, "Yo, if you are accused of something, like you already condemned anyway." And so what happened to what happened to a fair trial? He got one. Yeah, and he was he found not guilty. And, so, and, and that and that's yeah. argument right there. He you know, basically he's saying that this is conflicting because one minute y'all say a fair trial and in this fair trial was found not guilty. But the second moment y'all saying, Oh, well, I'm still just because you were found not guilty does not make you innocent, period. Spend my money on somebody that I feel like is guilty, who I feel like is a sexual assaulter. Now, if he does the work, if he decides that that's something that he wants to do and he wants to start speaking out against sexual assault and things of that nature, then great. Then maybe I will support you. But at this point, you've done nothing to prove to me other than this Ebony episode, I mean, Ebony interview to let me know that you've done the work in my opinion is nate parker a rapist yes okay gabrielle union just dropped a her own op-ed from i think the la times and she is a survivor of sexual assault right she was raped at gunpoint while she was at work I believe I'm not sure how old she was or when it was, but she was old enough to be working. And so she is, I believe, an executive producer of A Birth of a Nation. Yes. And she also plays the role of a woman who never speaks on screen, but is raped. And she talked about how she chose to play this part because she identified with the character. She felt like there's a history of silencing sexual assault victims, Black women. And so that by playing this silent character, she was able to give voice to these marginalized groups of people. I read it and I felt like it was it was it was powerful. It didn't make me want to go see the movie any more than I want. I already don't want to. She talked about how she felt like it was really important, but she also talks about how she just recently found out uh, what was surrounding Nate Parker. Right. And she said that it made her stomach turn. Like she said, it like pretty much made her sick to her stomach. And she said that she's read all 700 pages of the trial transcript and she did not condemn Nate Parker. She didn't proclaim his innocence either. She did say Every ever so subtly that she still thinks that people should go see the movie, which I don't know how I feel about that. I felt like I, I, I was interested in reading like her perspective on playing the character, but I didn't, I don't know. She's still monetarily benefiting from it. I think there are a lot of people who I've heard a lot of people say that they're going to go to see it in support of her and her being a survivor rather than supporting Nate Parker. I'm not quite sure how your money de- you know, delineates between Nate Parker and Gabrielle Union, but I felt like it was insightful. I'm glad that she wasn't silent. And this is where these things always come into play is the moral compass, right? So I'm going to preface this by saying I remember Nas made a comment one time. He said that God punishes men that make bad decisions by blessing them with daughters (laughs) yes we are a blessing yeah you know he punishes you with blessing you with daughters but you know you you talked about nate parker with having uh what five daughters he has all daughters some one i think he's adopted either his sister or his cousin's daughter I believe he just had a daughter with his wife. I think they have three. And then I think he had a daughter prior to the relationship with his current wife. Right. So this is definitely a tragedy, right? 
Right. But I think this should be an opportunity for us. You know, it should be a teachable moment for us all because I think Nate Parker could do something. You know, if, if he's really, really serious about this, he can donate the proceeds from Birth of a Nation. Right. True. Right. Or Nate Parker could go on a college tour and tell the story. Right. Um, you know, he can exhibit some more empathy as well. But like I said, I also see the reverse side. Like I know how it feels to be accused of something that that you feel like you did do. Not trying to empathize with Nate Parker at all. But I'm just saying, okay. but I'm just saying that if he really feels like he didn't do it, you know, a lot of people don't feel like they need to apologize for something they didn't do. But at the same time, he does apologize. Right, right, right. But now he's so like, but but now he's saying, okay, I understand where my thinking was selfish and wrong. I I don't know how genuine this is. Part of me says that Nate Parker may just be doing this just because like to get people off his back. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I'm waiting for him to prove it. I'm not going to spend my money on somebody that I don't like. I mean, even in the Ebony interview, he they said it was like two weeks. How can we believe this? And he was like, he he kind of talks about how it's a flaw in him that he, that needs to be changed and he wants to use his platform. I'm just waiting for him to use that platform, honestly. Like, I'm not saying that he doesn't have uh, people who are accused of things don't get defensive. But I'm saying it's it's not just about like how you get defensive. It's like what you say outside of that. His his Facebook post was problematic. I did appreciate that he didn't do the if I offended you, then I'm sorry, kind of like placing it on them. Yeah. He he really said he was like, so like I said, for the women out there that I've hurt with my male privilege, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and, 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 so, about- and like I said, I would like for him, hey, if he's really, really about this, he can say Yo, this percentage of the proceeds from Birth of a Nation, we're going to go to, you know, this organization. It absolutely should. And and regardless, regardless if he did it or not, I think that would be a step in the right direction to show people that say, hey, this is why I really, you know, I'm really serious about fixing this. I'm I'm serious about being part of the solution, not just giving you lip service. Right. And that's and that's what I'm saying. And I want to see that on kind of a either on a large scale, like donating a large amount of the proceeds or on a consistent basis. Like maybe what you said when he, you know, go from campus to campus. This is not something that when he finishes this movie, we never hear from him again. Yeah. Because we already know that he said in the 17 years since this occurred, he had not thought of it once. Well, initially he said that he hadn't thought of it once, but then he said- In the Ebony interview, he said, no, I no, didn't. I thought that he said that he had already, in the Ebony interview, I'm almost certain he said that he already talked to like his oldest daughter about it. He did after this blew up. No, I thought because that they asked they asked him. They said, "Had you thought about her in this incident over the last seventeen years?" His response is word for word, "No, I had not. I hadn't thought about it at all." And, and that's the troubling piece for me. That's privilege. The, the, the troubling piece for me, like anything that was remotely traumatic, you would think of it, right? Yeah. Very painful point in his life. Yeah, I, that would yeah. that would be something I, that would I, come I up just, over seventeen. Years. I can't just ignore things that have happened to me, especially especially you have that close like, relationship with the the other person who was accused, and yeah. neither one of you think of this. Yeah, y'all y'all never had the conversation. Like, not to mention, dude is a is like a co producer, co writer of this story. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're constantly interacting with this person, and it's never come up in seventeen years between the two of you. Yeah, so that's strange. So, okay, in, in closing, I think we presented some solutions here, some potential. Okay, solutions. we have. I want to clear up something from my perspective. I'm not making excuses for Nate Parker's behavior at all. Okay. I also understand because I've had, you know, I've been a counselor. So I've counseled people that have been accused and I've counseled people that have been victims. Mm-hmm. I, I understand how traumatic it is for victims you have an idea of what how traumatic it is. okay i'm just saying i i try to be like very mindful of that because i try not to say i understand because i don't understand but i i i have an idea you know what i mean okay point taken yeah. i have an idea of how traumatic 
you know, I, I have experience with uh, counseling individuals that have been victims and how uh, court service units treat them, how they have to keep retelling the story and how apathetic some law enforcement officers are when they're investigating and how oftentimes appeals are the way to win this conviction because it's very hard for victims to go on the stand multiple times and tell this story. So I'm really interested to do more now, but I also think that we have to hold Parker's feet to the fire and say, this is what we need from you. And not just tweeting, not just open letters, but actually, you know, setting the expectation, having these conversations and not just among ourselves, but you know, mm-hmm. may, maybe we can have these conversations, you know. Danielle, you in the school division. I know that's a touchy subject, but, you know, local colleges, you know, with local colleges and universities, you know, here, Hampton Sydney College, which is an all boys school in Longwood University, they partnered last year and they had a discussion. It was called Walk a Mile in Her Shoes and started off with men trying to walk like three blocks in heels, (laughs) which was just an illustration. But then they start having these you know they had the serious conversation about domestic sexual assault and sexual violence right and so having nate parker come to some of these places and not paying him say hey you know do it on your own dime you know or maybe he can start an organization you know i i think there are a lot of different things that he can do to show people such as yourself that, hey, I'm really serious about this. I, I get it now. This isn't just me talking and, you know, this is how I want to fix it. I feel like if that were to happen, because I do believe in the ability for people to grow, I do believe in the goodness of people. And I think that there are people who make terrible decisions, but they are able to grow, to learn and and kind of like reemerge from those ashes like a phoenix. I could see myself if I felt like it were genuine supporting efforts from him after that. And I understand if people don't agree with that, but that's what I'm looking for from him is starting some type of consistent initiative that says, I see that I have been hurtful. And this is something that I want to take part in because I feel like if he were truly innocent, a lot of the conversation around this, I mean, I can't, I can't say that he's not innocent. I can say only what I think. I just think the conversation that he's been having and the way that he's been phrasing things would have been different. And because it hasn't been different. It is very essential to him that if he wants to be a leader, especially within the Black community, where we have Black women, we make up half of the population. And not only that, Black women are way, way more likely to be sexually assaulted than a lot of other races. So we have a lot of people who are directly impacted by sexual assault. He ha- this is something that he actually has to do if he wants the support of that group in particular. Gotcha. Coop, do you uh, think we ate today? I do. You know, I think this was I, I think this was a difficult discussion to have, but right. I, I, I think it was a discussion that we needed to have. It is. I didn't want to give Nate Park. I didn't want to like go ham on Brock Turner and then ignore give Nate, Nate Park. Parker. Pass. Right. Right. Because you know, when we talked about Brock Turner in that episode we very explicitly laid out that like rape is not a white boy thing. Like it's not something that it's like a proximity crime. Like all right. crimes. It, yeah. it's, it's every, every one of every race has issues around sex and sexuality and consent. That doesn't make it okay. And I really want to express that. I feel I'm very deeply troubled. I'm very upset about this entire Nate Parker thing. And I, I really want to see a birth of the nation, but as it stands, I, I'm not so sure that I, I'm going to, that I can support it as, as it is right now. And as much as I give Danielle a hard time about this, I know as a historian, it's extremely difficult for her to say that she will ignore or not, <sighs> not pay to see birth of a nation. You know, if this yeah, it, was, if, if this was something like lighthearted, you know, if this was 
Inside Man it's two like or something. Really hard. It, you know, if, <laughs> if it was Inside Man or a Tyler Perry film, I'm sure that this would be much easier. But for her yeah, to oh, say, I've gone uh, back you know, and forth, like back and I want to see this movie so badly, so badly. And but at this point, I I don't think I'm going to. And I I, I reserve the right to change my opinion. But I think that there's something bigger that I need to stand for. And you, and I, I, I think we should take a field trip out to the site in Southampton. Oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. With that being said, Danielle and I have a little bit of bad news. So because of our crazy schedule, and I think I feel like this has been a particularly long episode, but because of our sc- crazy schedules, we are going to be moving our podcast to a bi-weekly rate. So instead of getting us every week, we figured that twice a month is going to be our move. It'll be a lot more manageable for us. And then also, you're going to get a better quality episode. But we'll be back to weekly, hopefully after the election. After the election. All right. <laughs> it is a plum pleasing pleasure as well as a privilege. Yeah. We will see you guys, I believe, 